Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to a Kol Nidre sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. On March 15th of this past year, my grandmother and I walked into Century City Mall, thinking that we would spend the beginning of our day looking for new professional clothes since it was my first time home since receiving this job here at Temple Beth Am, and to celebrate my birthday, which was the day before. We finished at one store and realized we were both hungry, but decided to take just a quick look at an, into anthropology since we were so close. We walked into the store, found a few cute things, tried them on, and while we were paying for the items, a siren went off. After three rounds of the siren, we were shuttled upstairs in a panic while people were yelling, to the stock room! My heart jackhammered in my chest, but I wanted to appear calm for my grandmother. We ran up two flights of stairs and crowded into the stock room. The door locked with a loud thump behind us and the manager announced that she was receiving information that there was an active shooter in the mall and we had to stay where we were until hearing an all clear. For two hours, my grandmother and I chatted, helping to maintain each other's equilibrium. How this could possibly be the world we live in? I had just wanted to enjoy shopping with my grandmother for some nice clothes and my grandmother just wanted to celebrate her only granddaughter's birthday. After three hours, we left Century City. With our arms up as if we were being arrested and the mall was vacant or seemingly so. Police had not located the offender and were now slowly and carefully escorting people out, taking precautions to avoid the possibility of the suspect hiding among the shoppers. We, of course, though freaked out by the procedures and regimented instructions, were happy to be leaving. We were later told it was not an active shooter, but rather a man with a gun who threatened people in the Amazon store before setting it on fire. We decided not to re-enter the perimeter to go down in the garage and fetch the car for the drive home, and instead we walked back to my parents' house. We felt blessed to be out of harm's way, but for a long time, no less fearful. Writing and speaking this sermon, my heart is still pounding, thinking back to those moments in the mall. However, it was not just that terrifying day this year that sticks out. Unfortunately, there were too many moments that led to panic. It is frightening to realize how unremarkable was that terrifying experience. It wasn't so unique. It seems clear to me that I am now living in a mindset of fear. I do not remember another time in my life that I have been so apprehensive about going to a large concert, a big synagogue, or any crowded place such as a rally or department store. I do not remember feeling as self-conscious walking down a street in America wearing a star of David around my neck or the ring of Hebrew words around my finger. And I know I am not the only person more wary of news stories of police brutality or reports of violent racism. Most mornings I wake up and wonder how fear will control me. There are positive fears that help me shape how I eat, how I date, how I commute, how I choose denominational Judaism, how I speak out for others, and so much more. A friend of mine recently shared that she knew exactly when her now husband would say, I love you. She knew in the restaurant they chose and the awkward discomfort of his conversation, and yet she was determined to make him say it first. At the end of the dinner, When he still had not uttered those three words, she wondered, do I say it and risk he does not feel the same? Or do I wait and risk that I will never hear it? The biggest fear is that you do not move on to the next step. 
Ultimately, he said, I love you, rolling his eyes and knowing that she should have said it first. What got them to that moment was the healthy balance of wisdom and fear. In Pirkei Avot, Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria says, in the same passage where we hear the healthy balance of en kemach en Torah, without sustenance there cannot be Torah, if there is no wisdom, there is no yirah, no fear of God. If there is no fear of God, there is no wisdom. Yirah, reverence or fearful awe, can lead us towards lives of discovery, wanting answers to questions and beauty, finding moments to be filled with excitement and unspeakable Wow, this is how a couple yearning to step into the next phase of life together can use fear to fuel their love. We need both productive anxiety and inspired wonderment to step out into the world and know when to be armored and when to be vulnerable. What happens when we are out of healthy balance? What happens when I am consumed by fear and do not lean into helping the homeless woman on the street because she might yell or have erratic behavior? God is balanced in our canon, regarded with yura, a mixture of respect, honor, and yes, a bit of fear. God brings about question, action, and greater meaning because of the unknown, all packaged in a little bit of fear. This is not an oppressive fear, but rather informed fear with the purpose of bringing us closer to God. An uncredited contributor to the Huffington Post wrote an article in 2017 titled, How to Stop Living Your Life Based on Your Fears. She said, when we take a trip to the fear buffet, we are harming ourselves in more ways than you could imagine. When we are fearful, we hold back on the things we want to do. We tend to ask ourselves, what if something happens when I'm gone? Or what if this doesn't work out the way I want it to? Therefore, we decide to not do the things we want in fear that there will be consequences for our actions. However, the real consequence is that we are missing out on doing the things we want because we hold ourselves back too much to alleviate our fears. Yes, there are things to fear, but there are as many or more things to discover, new wonders and joys. Reading this article, I immediately thought of Israel living there while hearing the news, talking to someone who has a connection to the IDF, there is the constant, though I'm scared, I will live my life. I left to live in Israel during a time of headlines about stabbings in Jerusalem, and I thought to myself, I will never go out. I'll have to have friends close by and not walk the streets at night. However, I lived and loved and searched and walked the streets of Israel all over. And yes, at times I was scared, but not unlike the dark streets of Pico Robertson walking home from a Shabbos meal. The world is full of fear and we need to live in it, to walk in it, to love in it, to shop in it. I imagine that most people walk into a large mall or parade in a protest or walk into an unknown and less visibly secure sanctuary and have a moment of fear. The blueprint of past attacks, anti-Semitic slurs or assaults tips the scales towards consuming anxiety. These places, once built and occupied for use, now wear the signs of trepidation. It is not just our outer walls but also our outer beings, what we look like, our gender identity, our sexual orientation, our race, religion, makes us feel more vulnerable in certain situations 
or environments. There are also people who just by being who they are, live a life of fear. That is paralyzing and not life lived. That is fear lived. There is no healthy balance in always feeling that who you are tips other scales towards fear and at arm's length. Vulnerability works both ways. We are more comfortable among people who have similarities to us. The flip side of that is xenophobia. And if someone is afraid of me, how might that alter their behavior toward me? Useful anxiety and spiritual wonderment kept us alive and connected throughout history. There is merit in saying that our people were born through the eyes of fear and reverence. The world's most famous midwives, Shifra and Pua, feared God more than they feared Pharaoh and saved an entire people. We were born through the positive lens of fear, a healthy balance. Now, Shifra and Pua must have been afraid of Pharaoh, which is why in our Torah this story is mentioned, or else it would just have been a normal act. However, the fear of killing, of disobeying the moral command to keep babies alive, allowing them a chance at life, propelled our lives forward. The respect and wonder for God counteracted the debilitating fear, which would have led to destruction. In the second iteration of the Ten Commandments, we are told to fear our mother and father. That word fear is the reverential deference, the obsequious awe with which we regard God as well as our parents. We are to know the power and the respect of our parents through fear. Hopefully positive, but let us also acknowledge that at times it is paralyzing and demoralizing fear. We should not actually have to be afraid of them, but being in awe of their ability to mold our lives, to teach us lessons and to keep us safe and thriving. Maintaining that healthy balance of productive anxiety and foundational wonderment. If we were not in awe of that, we would never respect it or find meaning in rearing children or taking care of youth as we do generation after generation. Our world is terribly scary, maybe more so this year than last. However, fear could push us forward, could make our lives ones of action and purpose. Fear can compel us to make our synagogue safer because even without the threat of anti-Semitism, we can be safe and feel comforted by security to pray and worship how and where we choose. Healthy fear can push us to continue conversations around ease and accessibility of guns and weapons. For our children should not have to teach us how to react when there is a lockdown since they see it more often in their schools. Fear can dare us to learn about all religions, races, and cultures because ignorance is leading us to persecute people who are innocent, accuse those just because we do not understand them, and keep others at a distance because they are not known to us. Make your fear into a tool of tikkun olam. Turn your yira, your reverence for God, into an answer to fear of people and places. Let us show our godliness our relationship with a divine spark as a catalyst for change and love and life of handshakes and not arm wrestling. Two days after my experience at Century City Mall in anthropology, I returned to retrieve my half-transacted purchase of clothing that I left on the counter. The clerk who'd been with us in the stockroom now seemed more like a friend or a brother with whom I'd shared a significant experience. He and I reminisced and talked about our trepidatious returns to these places. I mentioned to him that I refused to have anyone come with me to the mall because I was afraid to relive that moment. 
I was apprehensive to be back at the mall, back in that store, and yet I was more frightened to potentially bring anyone else into that same horror that I felt a few days before. I have now returned to the mall many times, and though I am no longer shaking, I am afraid, I am more aware, and will never forget. I have reached, for now, a stable balance. Tonight, we all get to reset the scales. On Kol Nidre, we begin to unknot the mistakes we've woven into our lives. Atonement is a multi-step process, beginning with an acknowledgement that there is vague value in doing so. And then perhaps we apply an almost forensic study to our most serious personal regrets. We must be cautious. We consider wiping our slate clean, scrubbing, scraping, and scouring, representing the hard, if not impossible, work of undoing any harm or damage done by us. We think about who we want to be in, about which relationships need repairing or rekindling. The healthy balance of who we have been, what we have experienced, and how we want those experiences to inform who we can be. We are taught that Kol Nidre began as a formula to expunge the fears that Jews had who were threatened into converting. Kol Nidre means all our promises, all our vows. Today we worry that we might not get it right or repent in such a way as to affect change in ourselves, our world, or in our relationship with God. Maybe this will be the year we will not fear. Maybe this will be the year that we change our world enough to begin focusing on positive fears. Fears informed by wisdom propel our lives forward. If we fear loneliness, we ought to reconsider our relationships, newly prioritizing friends, dating, and community engagement. If we fear the neglect of people who are homeless or living on the street or in cars, we should seek ways to improve their conditions. We should demand the administrators of our city, our county, and state take action on our behalf to safeguard vulnerable people. And we should think about whether we want to contribute resources to make such programs possible. Return to a balance. Return to places of fear to reclaim your courage in living. Return to moments where ignorance led to fear. Return to feelings of fear based on news articles or headlines. Turn our world of fear into a world of teshuvah, a world of return. Our lives will lose aspects of fear only if we join together to decide that fear is not the answer, rather relationship and stories are the answer. It is wise to fear and scary to entice curiosity. Find out more about why a person is unhappy with their work. Try and come up with solutions that lead to happiness and content. Do not leave people on the street and assume someone else will feed them. Give them food and water. Do not dodge a shady situation assuming that someone else will find help. Call the police. Do not stay silent when someone else's religion, race, identity is being questioned or tormented. Speak up so that you receive that help and that love in return. Find the healthy balance between productive anxiety and inspired wonderment. Every month in anticipation of new darkness and new life, we say, We pray for a life where God sets before us love of Torah and fear of heaven. And that's the same life in which the wishes of our heart come to fruition for good or for the sake of good. May we this year fill our lives with balance of wisdom 
and fear, of anxiety and wonder. We're all afraid of the dark, at least a little bit. So be the light. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.